Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code staple two zero. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. like professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino i am in the bubble he is not he is far better off than i am right now to be honest with you oh and uh i'm, I'm gonna do the banter today uh because i'm gonna here's a public service announcement for for the kids out there uh the the secret to not being depressed is to concentrate less on yourself that is a secret to, to I got stuck in one of those uh cycles where I was comparing th- like I'll, I'll give you an example Chris. Uh I I started doing stand up in 1991 uh in high school. The person who has made it the furthest in in stand up from my high school was a year ahead of me. <laughs> uh who and I had never heard of any other stand ups from Newport News, Virginia, in terms of just that area. But uh, her name's Coco Brown. She has a recurring part on 911, the TV show out here. I go, okay, fine. I can, I can live with that. You know, that won't be my legacy. Well, and then I get to college 
uh, of course, I went, Tina Fey was a couple years ahead of me, but uh, also in a few of my drama classes was a kid by the name of Jake West who got uh, new faces for the uh, Just for Laughs in Montreal uh, stand-up festival, big comedy festival. He actually did a show I booked once, which is interesting. Uh, I wasn't there that night. Like, okay, fine. Best TV writer for my class at UVA, guy by the name of Carter Covington, who was in some of my government classes, who got it by just... I don't know what I want to do with my life. He moved out to LA, started dating a producer and, uh, and wrote, uh, was a producer for the show Greek and the ver- and was the creator of the TV version of 10 things I hate about you. Okay. So I don't get that. So it's just one of those weird things where it's just like, you know, everything you tried, you had somebody who just came along later and did better than you did. And you're just like, uh, okay. So, eh. That's that's my that's my Cuban kid. I really don't have a point to this, Chris. I just need to get some therapy out. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, uh, I feel you. Uh, <laughs> I'm 37. Are you, and are I'm you the are you the biggest guitar player out of your high school? <laughs> uh, In terms of I, the time you went there, I guess. Or I a musician or something. I guess I I haven't I mean I just haven't kept up with any of them. Uh, okay, so yeah, yeah, you just you just I, I don't about the door. I, no, once I once I left, uh, yeah, I, I I do tend to be pretty good about um, closing the doors on things. Yeah, I, I left Newport News. And I, oh, that's the other, that was the that was the that was the pin that was the follow up slash uh, uh, icing on the cake on this in terms of wrestling podcasting. I'm not the most well-known wrestling podcaster from my high school. That is Nate Milton of Post Wrestling. Oh, yeah, Nate. Who also yeah, went to yeah, Metchville yeah, High School yeah. in Newport News, Virginia. And I'm just like, damn, even for my hobbies, for my niche interests, I'm not the most well-known of that either. So I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, I, I I love Newport News. Thinking I was, I, I my my goal was to actually get a uh, get a feature story in the local paper about how well I'd done after I left my town. <laughs> that ain't ever gonna happen unless I like hit the lottery or something. So it's like, eh, whatever. Oh. But kind of kind of, I had some time to get in that headspace, and then that's that's why you have to keep busy enough not to get in the headspace, kids. Uh, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> how's your week, Chris? Uh well, uh, I'm I'm 37 <laughs> and I'm trying to record my first like legitimate collection of songs that I play on and sing and stuff. Uh, so yeah, probably a little late to be the uh the big rock star or whatever, but um I'm enjoying making music. As long as you enjoy it, that's the other thing. Is I start stop enjoying comedy in so many ways. It's just like because everything outside of the time on stage was such a pain in the ass. Yeah, whatever. Uh, instead of us bitching about life, let's talk about wrestling, which I'm sure will all be nothing but sunshine and rainbows about. WWE announced on November 7th that NXT would be moving to the CW Network in October 2024 after the current contract with USA Network expires. TKO earnings call after the deal was announced, it was said to be a 70% increase in rights fees which were believed by those in the company and analysts to be between $20 million and $25 million per year, meaning the new deal would also fall between $34 and $42.5 million. The increase will also allow NXT to be, NXT to be more profitable as a standalone brand. 
Well, Jeff, didn't you just report last week on Billy Corgan's NWA possibly having a deal for two shows? Well, <laughs> it also been rumored to be the home of Billy Corgan's NWA, both a wrestling show and a reality show. It will be interesting to note if that has changed because in the past, WWE has insisted on exclusivity when it comes to pro wrestling on any station they appear on. Uh, for anybody who wasn't paying attention on the NWA pay-per-view, apparently they did a sketch where Jim Mitchell, the sinister minister, was doing cocaine. I put that in quotation marks and sharing it with people around the table, which might have turned off the network. To doing a deal and start negotiating with WWE. To quote Chris Rock, grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> but the CW was also in talks with UWN and Dave Marquez to do a live weekly show out of LA, but the WWE getting the nod. One would think the other deals as far as CW television long-term could be dead. Interesting to know at least two other promotions that talked with the CW. Nick Houseman also reports that Tony Khan was approached by a CW executive in June 2022 at the show at the Forum and showed interest in airing Ring of Honor on CW, which would have been an all-around positive for both sides. At the time, Khan was not interested because he felt it wasn't fair to his relationship with WBD to make an outside deal. Oh, you you sentimental son of a it's not clear if Khan legally couldn't do it at the time or he just didn't want to do anything that would upset wbd by selling a show to a competitor he was unable to make a television deal for roh with any of the wbd stations at the time and now one would think cw is off the boards as a destination chris initial thoughts on nxt moving away from usa to the c-dub is c-dub on like antenna tv yes i yeah i don't even have a good frame of reference on this that that might actually be good for nxt then not maybe like in terms of ratings but in terms of like getting the product into houses that might be likely to go and check out a wwe show um but i i I find all these TV show, like these TV network deals to be weird. Cause like, I, I just, as someone, I have not had a cable TV package in 20 plus years now. And I have to, I just assume that more and more people are kind of moving in that direction. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as high on this as a lot of other people are. I get that it's going to be exposure and it'll probably remain on Tuesday nights. My my problem is this. This is a very much a lot like when uh, SmackDown went to, was it my TV or whatever it was? CW right now is in the midst of a real identity crisis. Um, they used to be, they used to be where all the teen shows would be like the, uh, like, uh, what was that? Dawson's Creek. Oh God, that was a long time ago. A long time ago. Yeah. That was a but, long time ago. Uh, no, I'm giving, I'm giving yeah. a basic history. That was like the WB. Yeah. Yeah. That was the WB and they became the CW for the most yeah. part. They, they sold their networks and then they were really for a number of years, almost a decade. They were the place for DC comics, television shows to be the Arrowverse, as it were arrow and the flash and Supergirl and black, the short lived black lightning and legends of tomorrow. And so, so they were, very heavily into the geek culture. And then like of late, they've kind of been into the dark reboot type of business. I think supernatural was on the CW for a while. The, the reboot of uh, that witches show that is uh, charmed. And also the uh, weird dark take on Riverdale. 
where like Archie, Jughead, <laughs> Veronica, and, and uh, Betty have like a four-way <laughs> mutual coupling thing. It, it's basically, you know, teen drama meets Archie meets sex type of a show. But they've they have some weird deals now going. Like they they show ACC football. Now, look, I I am from the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference. We are not a football powerhouse by any means. We have a few good teams. We have, you know, your Clemsons and your Florida States and Miamis. But it's also like Duke and North Carolina and Virginia. And soon Stanford and California, those Atlantic Coast schools that are there. So they've been trying to kind of reform themselves. I think a general network, not unlike what Fox did when they really overpaid for the NFL package to come from CBS to them, in addition to some of their fringe programming at the time, because it was like this, it was the Simpsons and then it was shows like married with children, (laughs) which wasn't highly regarded. It was watched, but it wasn't highly regarded. So I don't know. I, I don't, the CW network is such a, it, it's such a hodgepodge of channels and stuff like that. It doesn't have like network news on it or anything like that. It's not a major, it's, it's the equivalent of what a UHF channel used to be for people with antennas and stuff. Um, I also just don't think NXT is a strong enough product to, to be a destination show right now, to be a destination show or to get away it's what's called a hammock show, really, if you think about it, because it's there to basically bleed off anybody who was watching Raw the previous night in many ways. People know what channel it's on. It's on at the same time, and people can go there. A hammock show um, in, in network TV parlance is is like the sitcom you put at 8.30 between the powerhouses you have at 8 and 9. So say, you know, we're going to put... Um, you know, they'll, they'll usually do it with new shows. It's like, okay, we have the Cosby show at eight and we have cheers at nine, you know, let, let's put, you know, fam, well, family ties was already kind of a minor hit, but I was saying like a different world when it launched or, you know, something that's not a 30 year old reference. Step Hawkins. by step. Step by, well, step by step was, wasn't that the nine o'clock powerhouse on the TGI Friday network? Yeah. 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 No, but it'd be, but it'd be di- dinosaurs would be a good example. Cause I think dinosaurs was at eight 30 between family matters and step by step, if I'm if I'm wrong about that, people can correct me. I don't care. I like the dinosaurs, uh, but yeah, I, I just it's one of those things, and it's it's not NXT's ratings of late have been high because of the main roster people on there, and if they continue to cycle people on there as as current guest stars, I I assume that'd be a good thing. But overall, the wrestling is far more mid. The stories are a little bit too campy. I I, I don't know. I mean, because like something like Women of Wrestling could be a hit on the CW. And, and we'd never see it coming because it's, you know, it's schlocky TV that, you know, just becomes something that people watch when they're flipping the channels one of these days. And it's not cable. So you have access to more houses. I think overall, it's a net positive. It, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I, I don't think it'll be a huge hit, but you know, it, it might have enough to sustain itself kind of like a Tesla coil. Back in the day, like Lucha underground would be a good fit on CW. Yes. Yeah. And it would have, and it would have had a creative enough hook where non-wrestling fans might tune in and watch it. 
Yep. Because it was big on the telenovela stuff. Before it got weird in the later seasons, but like those first few seasons had like a really nice balance of like, yeah, just enough plotty stuff. Uh, and, and then still basically a wrestling show. And NXT, look, it, do, it does builds well, but I wouldn't call the sketches that they do good. You know, they're schlocky, but they're not even ironic schlocky for the most part. It, 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 they're very, they're very pro wrestling. Um, we need a, I mean, it, it's very much what you say. Okay, if WWE had a show, and they were trying to do a developmental territory. What would you think the sketches on WWE type of a show would be? And okay, heavy gimmick, bad comedy, um, that those types of things. So I, you know, I, I'm overstaged like uh, the yes. closing segment on NXT with Melo, yeah. uh, Lexus King. Yeah, it, it's very, <laughs> you Mr. know, it, a Lexus King. It doesn't. It doesn't pass the "Are you embarrassed if a family member walks into the room?" test, and I think Lucha Underground might have. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of those Dario Cueto scenes, I wouldn't have had any problem people coming in and seeing. You know, like Dario Cueto talking to <laughs> Matanza. Not Matanza. <laughs> no, I didn't. Matanza didn't really land for me. That, no. that, that, that was one. That I have I, a brother, and I've kept him in a dungeon. <laughs> I was not a huge fan of Matanza. I, I think that, like, like really for me, it's those first two seasons of Lucha Underground where, you know, it's really good. And then the third season, they kind of, like, get a little bit off the rails. They had the whole bizarre sexy star storyline. Yes. Horrible. Penta likes to break arms. Yeah, Penta, but that was good. The Penta breaking arms thing was good. It got a little bit complicated when you had the Angela Fong slash uh, Lotus uh the triad it's like eo and Kyrie. he's breaking women's arms now and you're like i don't know i mean you know like uh they 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 came in as hired assassins jeff that's true if, if you're a female assassin you gotta beat on them yeah i, I mean <laughs> what, what am I, okay like if female ninjas break into my house what am i supposed to do Not i can't i can't I, you know you have to eschew the male female <laughs> chivalry stuff if yeah, a female they, assassin comes hired, after you. These are hired assassins. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. No, you've convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, TKO had his quarterly earnings call. Um, earnings calls are going to be much, much different with the WWE. Um, because they don't mention any of the business metrics that Vince McMahon and everybody else used to go. It, it's, a, it's a clean number. It's like, here's the profit. And uh, here's what we were expecting, and that's it. There's no breakdown. There's no numbers. Those are all in the filings, but they're not going to do this on the call like Vince had to. It, it, it's mostly because they also have the UFC business to take care of. It's like, here's our deals. Here's our business. That's it. And I'm I'm fascinated because because like WWE was only twelve days in, you know, to the official merge or the 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 quarter only covered twelve days, but there's already rumblings. When TKO or when when Zufa when you know Fertitta took over the UFC, it became you know less about people we like and what's the bottom line, and so they cut a lot of veterans at that time. And I'm assuming that bloodletting's coming, and it might be a Christmas present to a lot of people, unfortunately, because um, Vince Vincent Company have been known to do that before, even when before the merger. But now you have you know. 
now you have the bookkeepers involved and stuff. So it, it, I'm 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 fascinated by that. It was a fascinating call because it was much more. WWE is far less a part of the call than you'd think it would be for an equal partner. It's just kind of like here's the here's the financials. Boom. Why do you, I mean so? And then the rest of the time it's just been UFC. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, they, they give the thing, and you know, there's there's no here's our goals for the year, here's our stuff. It's it's it, it's it's a very, it, it's it's more it's more of a corporate presentation than you'd think it was, for an entertainment company. Because you think the entertainment company would be concentrating a lot on you know here here's what we're looking at or whatever, and they're just like now nah, we're putting on shows. That's it. Boom. Talk to you later. <laughs> They might be holding the line here for a couple of quarters until Vince is like more out of the picture. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, company's largest shareholder, Vince McMahon, then announced two days later that he intends to offer to sell 8.4 million shares of his stock. Notable, he's doing this because analysts feel right now the stock is undervalued. It is. It's not even 100 bucks. And one would think he'd wait until it's valued higher if that's the case, although stock wouldn't all be sold at once. Chris, why would you sell 8.4 million shares of stock in an all-time low? Or not an all-time low. It's 79 bucks, I think, even though WWE stock was over 100 at the time. Golly, Chris, uh, there'd be any reason that Vince McMahon might need some spending cash? Well, <laughs> you see, Jeff, when a man likes a woman. Oh. But that woman doesn't like that man, but that man continues to press in advance upon that woman. In such a situation, that man often finds himself in court. Is there a picture book about this that I could read? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's when a man likes a woman in parentheses, but she doesn't like him and wishes he would stop. <laughs> Babar goes to court. Wait, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Berenstein Bears. It's it's the one where Papa Bear gets <laughs> in trouble at work, and it shames the whole family. Curious George gets a little too curious. <laughs> <laughs> the cat in the hat with a. <laughs> yeah, it's just that the man. The restraining order. Yes. The man in the yellow hat gets in trouble at the cafe. Yes. <laughs> well, in my moonlighting job, the Screen Actors Guild strike is now over for all intents and purposes. The uh, the voting on the contract is probably going to be nothing for, more than a formality. But John Cena remains. He now gets to go back to work and make Peacemaker Volume 2. But that doesn't mean he can't also be a victim of some penny-pinching stuff by one david zasloff coyote versus acme a live action and animation movie uh much like uh batwoman that not that that's a movie but or not that that's animated movie but much like the project batwoman canceled by the wbd expected to be shelved for the tax loss and boy, this sounded like an interesting movie to me, Chris. Uh, John Cena would be playing the lead attorney for the Acme Corporation, from which Wiley e. Coyote buys all of his products, and Co and Wiley e. Coyote files suit against Acme to sue them for their ineffectiveness. 
This I'm sounds kind of, more like a sketch than an actual full movie. I don't know, though. I'd be here. John Cena playing this straight. I'm here for that, man, because he does that kind of goofy comedy stuff. I, that sounds like a winner to me in terms of actually having like adult humor within the movie as well. As, as stuff it for the kids. sounds like a seven minute sketch to me rather than. A You're actually kind of right now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a seven minute sketch. Not although, minutes. although the screenplay was also rewritten by James Gunn. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, they, they had some uh, big time people on that. Uh, of, of just random interest, Bill Mercer of world class or world championship wrestling or world class championship wrestling fame appears in the new national geographic documentary jfk one day in america which is also streaming on disney plus and the hulu it's a tony kornheiser joke calls it the hulu mercer worked in radio news in dallas and his biggest claim to fame was his coverage of the kennedy assassination in dallas which i did not know he actually told lee harvey oswald that he was being charged with the murder at the time Chris, this is enough to make you watch the JFK documentary. Yeah, what happens to Lee Harvey Oswald? Oh, you know, Jack Ruby, paid by the CIA, shoots him. <laughs> oh, allegedly. Spoilers, dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I am of the opinion. That, well, okay, here we go. What's your belief on the Kennedy assassination? Did he act alone? No. Okay. Yeah. I think he did. Okay. Uh, Saray, <laughs> I'm reading this story. It's like Saray, the former Saray, but no, Sari, the former Saray, as it's spelled, in NXT, assigned a multi-year deal with Sukaban. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, it's an American-based uh, Japanese wrestling company. Uh, she'll debut on the company's second show in December in Miami in a four-way match pitting wrestlers of four different from four different stables. Saray will be part of the Cherry Bomb Girls and Face Countess. Sayori, Atomic Banshee, and Babyface in a four-way match. Fightful has reported Saray in talks to return to WWE, as I said last week, although those in WWE denied to us saying that the departure wasn't really all that smooth and that while the name came up, it wasn't anything serious. We heard that Saray was in talks with Stardom, and obviously signing here wouldn't rule out any Stardom appearances since several people work both groups. Yes, there's a Japanese company that is now putting a Japanese women's promotion here in the States. Uh, small. I assume that they will be working on uh, syndicated television of some sort, and Saray looks to be the uh, looks to be the foundation of that. Chris, any thoughts? She's solid. She is. Uh, yeah, she, yeah got she's she got done dirty by WWE, and I think yeah, Triple H wanted to bring her back to do yeah. a make good. But dude, if you get you get you waste three years of your life, and they don't use you. <laughs> I can see her being bitter and saying, no, I'm not coming back to that. Are you crazy? They really did waste three years of her career. And like it, that it, during that time, too, they wasted a lot of people's time. They're still wasting Tyler Bates time. I'm still wondering. Oh, my, what oh yeah. There. And Pete Dunn, too. Butch. Let, let, let's let's uh, bookmark that for Lazy River Talk, shall we? Okay. Uh, injury report. Ricochet and Fallon Henley, both in concussion protocol. Not because they were in a match together. Uh, Ricochet, as you saw in, uh, if you watched Raw in that four-way, uh, looks like he got that pretty early and, uh, ended up messing up the ending of the match, which was, he was, was not supposed to kick out of the moonsault from, uh, whichever Viking Raider it is. Cause I always get, I, I think it's Ivar, not Eric. 
Uh, yeah, it's Ivar. <laughs> Eric's out on the. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. And then night. and then Fallon Henley on uh, was it the prettiest moonsault ever? Or oh oh yeah yeah no, yeah Stratton definitely got her face pretty... got her in the head yeah yeah so those are all we have to report. Uh, ratings just to talk about them. AEW did eight hundred four thousand viewers with a point two eight and eighteen to forty nine and point two zero with eighteen to thirty four. Coming off Crown Jewel and with lesser competition, Raw on, on Monday did its best audience since the show on October 9th. Show at the Fast Lane. Raw did one and a half million, a little bit over that, with 0.47 in the 18 to 49. NXT placed first on cable on Tuesday with the NBA off due to election night. NB- NXT beat all election night coverage and was the highest rated episode of the show since 2019, other than the show where they had Undertaker, John Cena, Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman at all. Show did 794,000 viewers with a 0.26 in the demo. Collision, on the other hand, got crushed because nobody wanted to watch wrestling after watching Crown Jewel. They did 366,000 viewers with a 0.09, 116,000 viewers in 18 to 49. Rampage, lowest viewership since June 9th, although up slightly from last week. 298,000 viewers with a 0.11. That means that Collision and Rampage almost tied. SmackDown, back to its regular time slot with the tape show, did 2.1 million viewers, 0.53 and 18 to 49. Any thoughts on any of those? How Dynamite do? Uh, Dynamite did 804,000. Not bad. I believe uh-huh. it was... Uh, if for the week because i think there was like a real yeah, housewives yeah. of beverly hills I mean, or something. Yeah, they, they're, they're holding steady at least at the they're moment. holding steady i mean it's, yeah and, it's they, just, and they have a good plan with mjf being all over that show that that part that part for sure uh the satellite shows really it appears they just struggle to find an audience even they among, are there. even among the aew faithful they yes. struggle to find uh, like an audience they are there to exist and yeah. i mean my idea was give them a hook, give them a log line, get, make them special or weird or different or something outside of the box experiment. I think in some at ways this point, at this point, when you're doing 300,000 and below, why not turn these into just test labs for weird shit? Yeah. That's what I was saying. I, I would be seriously. I, I don't know. Do have a completely alt like a bizarro universe show. I, I I mean, how can you do worse? That does it for our news section now for the Lazy River of professional wrestling. Whatever we watch, whatever's on our mind from stuff this week can come up. And I am going to take this opportunity to fire the first shot because I'd like to talk to some of you people who insult me. <laughs> and by that I mean get him, Jeff. I mean the people who come after me, and and there are people in the voices of wrestling community who do this too, and there are people online who do this who say, "Oh, about you, oh you old heads," meaning me. Mm. There's no such thing as a casual wrestling fan. You don't need to book for casuals. You don't need to book for people because everybody kind of knows who everybody is and everybody follows the news. And, then, and we know that because Chris doesn't follow the news. So, huh. but what am I talking about in context? I'm talking about this debut of Mariah May on AEW Dynamite. Now, for people who don't know, such as Chris, 
Mariah May was over there in stardom doing stuff, getting high praise from people who I listen to in the bubble. Cool. I was, oh, I was told, oh, Mariah May could be a big star in AEW. Mariah May is a, would be a great get for either WWE or AEW. Mariah May could be a business changer, I believe Dave Meltzer said. I don't know if that for a fact. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But basically, him and other podcasts, especially Stardom and Joshi ones, were just like, what a big deal this Mariah May is. Mm. And I think Mariah May is very, very talented. I think she's very good on the acting side as well. And how did we introduce her? With RJ City, a comedy sketch, and all about Eve angle, or depending on how derivative you want to be, Mickey James and, and Trish Stratish slash Tori and uh, Sable, if you will. This does not scream star treatment. This does not scream making it a big deal. And all I want, guys, when I get into old head territory is I want wrestlers, especially in their debut, to seem like a big deal. Mariah May, to me, should have been somebody with vignettes or something to that effect, hyping her first appearance in AEW, which then I would have liked a squash match, of course, for, to then introduce her to the entire world and show what a badass and bigger deal thing. Because I think a lot of... I am of the opinion that a lot of what wrestling is missing is the awe of star power that the alternate reality of wrestling on television used to give to you. You used to think that wrestling was a big money business where people would go and all the people in there were making millions and millions of dollars, even if it wasn't true. That's all I want because that actually made people seem bigger than life. And instead, I think the goal is to make wrestlers relatable or funny or whatever. And I'm just like, they can come out naturally, but make them a big deal first. I'll give the second half of my rant uh, after I let Chris have a chance here to give some thoughts on the debut of Mariah May. Uh, I looked at her and I, I i hadn't heard anything about the stardom stuff or anything like that i'm not familiar with their work over there uh she just immediately reminded me of tony storm and then, <laughs> and then she name checked tony storm, storm. <laughs> and i'm like oh okay the, the, this it's does, a spider-man it, meme where they're pointing yeah, at right, I'm, I'm like yeah no like, i mean like i see it very much in the face and like the australian accent they're both having it helps but like it's so there in the face that you would see that immediately they had the different hair and I have no intrigue in two people who are alike having a feud because they're too alike. Like that's, that's a weird, that's a weird thing to do. Oh, but I'll get laughs, Chris, when she's doing all the man, she's going to basically, I think be Sandow to the Miz. <laughs> Maybe not doing the stunt double thing, but you know, we're going to play up this black and white movie thing. For a long oh, time. Yeah. We're gonna have two, you know, all about Eve's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. It's just here's my issue as well. And uh it goes into the I larger... mean the Tony Storm gimmick is also goofy too. And yeah, like... and I don't think it should be anywhere near the title, but it looks like it's gonna get it. So No, and then like I, I just think 
I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm ambivalent to it being near the title as just like, it's like a, you know, it's like a gold dust having the intercontinental championship yes. sort of thing. Like I, I see, I like gold dust as intercontinental champion. So I don't know. I'm um, ambivalent too. I mean, it'll be entertaining, but it's one of those yeah, things where, but it's still, it's not a way to debut someone who's supposed to be a big star. Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, that's a, like my face when you're reading those like Meltzer quotes, I'm like, really oh, like oh i wasn't reading Meltzer quotes i was i was trying to the think game of changer before. yeah 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 the game changer or whatever i, I mean i might have oversold future. it but i remember yeah. when when it was like mariah may 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 debut it all out or all in it's like oh that would be huge in the front of the british audience and blah 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 it's i like, just don't know that anything's going to change the game for aew at this point i think the game is the game like their game is 800 to a million no i agree with that but i think in general and I, i'm going to I'm going to now fold it into the larger world because I, I, I read a lot of people and there's a lot of especially female columnists and podcasters who are very frustrated with women's wrestling right now, especially in AEW, because, you know, you only get one women's match really per show, if that. And and the talk is always like to me, I always yeah, but I always what you want to see. Do you want to see more sky blue? No, I really don't. No, I, that's that's my like. I, I mean, when they, I'm never left for wanting more. I get, I get the general sense of these people who you uh, read and listen to that I'm not aware of and do not read nor listen to. Uh, but I never leave AEW's women's section of the show going, man. They should have one more segment of this. They're doing such a good job with these. These are all so good that I want to watch more of this. this it uh, all feels. And I never feel that way. Yeah, it all and also all feels that, that that their instincts are all very WWE adjacent, shall we say, or TNA even TNA adjacent in some ways in terms of what they do with weird, wacky characters like <laughs> Sue Young at times. Uh, the former Sue Young who was there. Yeah, I, my, my pitch, I mean, and well, she does a very uh, capable wrestler, but a boring champion. Yes. Um, we've presented all these women the wrong way, and I, I have said this a million times, and people are now going to say, here comes Jeff with his stale idea. Okay, fine. But if I dressed up three women in power suits with sunglasses and money and gave all three of them belts... And it said they were here to, to do wrestling, to make a lot of money, be rich, and hurt people. Like a certain faction that might have come from the 80s that you should not reference because then become derivative. That stable would be the biggest thing in professional wrestling in terms of women's professional wrestling. If we took more notes from the 80s and how they did characters and promos and stuff, instead of doing comedy skits, and lore and sketches and drama and stuff like that. And just had them come out and talk. And then, and then we group them in regular stables. Like the mistake that I think people make is that when this happens, they go, well, it's because Tony doesn't know women. So we need a female writer to go in there and do that. And I always go, no, you just need good writers or good people. And to book women's wrestlers, more like wrestlers than like women. And that has always been my dead horse that I beat to death on glue is, is that everybody's worried more about the women part of women's wrestling 
more than the wrestling part where the, where one would take care of the other to me in many ways. If, if you, if you had a dusty roads, Rick, I mean, when was the last time we really had a good Ric Flair type character in the women's division at any time? I know Tessa, I think tried and an impact at one time or whatever, you know, but, but most of it's, you know, geared toward like the Charlotte flair peacock crap. And it's like, no, what well, was just a serious professional wrestler who was in it for the money, who had class and style, and just was in this match also because she was the best, but also kind of enjoyed hurting people. What would we get out of that? I mean, what? I mean, why do we not have Nyla Rose, the centerpiece of a stable, where she is? Okay, here's here's my point. Wrestling is an alternate reality, and you set the rules for the alternate reality, and you build them. Nyla Rose is a native beast. It's not just a nickname. She is a native beast. She should be acting like this when she is around. She should be tearing into people's locker rooms and beating them up or something to that effect. You know, she should have a manager that can barely keep control of her. Things of that nature. Play the realities of the characters that you're given these people for the most part, as opposed to the goofy, what would be funny or pop an audience type of thing. And it, 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 it just, it's one of those things where it's like, this is where the old heads, I would hire the hell out of them to then book the women's division. I really would. I mean, the best women's producer right now going is Finley, apparently, and he still gets what makes women's wrestling special. Yeah, uh, it it's hard with like AEW's women's division just because... The, so many of these pieces are the same pieces that yes. they've, done, they've done. I mean, for for good and for ill, WWE has a deep enough roster and also enough rotation due to injury and stuff and just people kind of coming in and out. There is like there has been some degree of like ebb and flow to the roster, whereas it, I feel like I have been seeing the same eight to ten people on the show. Oh, I'd say four people. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> Chris. So- Willow, Chris, Sky, Willow Blue, Sky Blue, and Julia Hart. Cheetah, Julia Hart. Cheetah, yeah. Uh, Maybe five or six. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm R- gonna Ruby. Spot, Ruby, right. I'm gonna spot them up to eight. Yeah. But like all of these people, narratively, there's not a lot of tread on any of the tires, in part because there's no intrigue for any of the matches because they've now basically had all the matches you can have and pretty much all the configurations that are interesting. Yeah. And then we make stables and they're automatically bickering with each other, like the outcasts or the baddies and the baddies was a good idea, but it was just like, and then just all became about the internal drama of, of your crew. And it's like, well, we haven't really established them as a crew that has a great ethos. I mean, the outcast wasn't good because it's just like, Hey, we used to be in WWE and it was better there. The baddies had an interesting thing, except that they were all red shirts and geeks, except for Jade. You know, we really haven't done a lot with this women's division other than, you know, hey, Chris Statler's friendly and people like her a lot. You know, it's like, okay, great. How does that fit in? You know, Willow has a great theme song. (laughs) Okay, great. People like her. I mean, we've, we've ruined Willow in some ways because she was the one to put over Jade or to get put over Jade, in my opinion, and and to make her a star. Now we're just treading water with her. And instead now we're doing, what does Blue Mist mean? What does Black Mist mean? Who's on whose side? 
it's just it's it's lore stuff and you're just like okay great let's uh you know that's great for mid card stuff let's get to the top of the card and see some people who want to actually have feuds that that's just my opinion your go chris i've talked enough no i mean uh i i really do feel you on the on we with aew's women's division i i don't know who the young up-and-comer I guess Mariah May would be the person, but like once she gets through the match with, she'll get, she'll get a good sheet of match, get a good Ruby match, maybe get a good Emmy Sakura match in there. That's three weeks of television. Your two champions in the division don't cut promos. She Tony's, does. Okay. Tony's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Tony's, she Tony's not a champ though. I mean, I'm talking yeah. to her and Staplander. Yeah, yeah. And Staplander. Okay. So like, that's like five good matches. Um, none of which would necessarily be that good matches doesn't necessarily mean good programs to be clear. Cause as you just said, she <laughs> doesn't, yeah, it doesn't cut a promo like that. It's not going to tell a story like that. Uh, I love Emmy Sakura, but like, you know, Emmy is <laughs> a really good character worker. Uh, not really like a storyteller person. Uh, who else? Uh, boy, Staff. I'm here though for, for Sakura and Nyla as a crew. I mean, like, yeah, okay, like, that's fun. That's fun. They can have several good matches. It's just nothing. The roster's not. It's not. Um, it's, you know what? It, the characters are just aren't diverse enough to have a world, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah. And, and they also don't click very well. Like, no. they're not, they're like, they're different from one another, like, I guess, but, but also they're not. It's not like uh, it's a Styles makes fights thing, right? But like, I don't really care about like Emmy Sakura per se having a feud with like I don't know Chris Statlander. Yeah, and there's no, and this is not a knock on Emmy Sakura. No, no, no. There's no, there's the character. There's no. Why would I care? There's no emotional resonance between any of the women in AEW. Like you don't really know. I mean, they they tell you, oh, she's her friend. But they don't really act like friends to one another. That nobody, you know, Emmy and 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 Hikaru have have a rivalry because Emmy was was sure. was her trainer or whatever. Yeah, like that's yeah. great. That's a backstory. But how does Emmy feel about about Hikaru Shida? Let Let's hear that in a promo. We never or see something. that put on screen either. That this no. is so this is a violation of show not don't tell. Like if you saw Emmy Sakura occasionally out there watching Sheeta's matches and like you could just see that like the reason she was watching it was because this is someone who you know she trained and like she might be going for the title at some point or she just might be watching her student like yes. if you would actually establish that then all of a sudden you can pay off that moment in the ring at some point when they actually have to square off for the you know auspices of a tournament or whatever but like just saying it all of a sudden it's it's so weird. It's like, you know, like let's say Kenny Omega had a match against I, I don't know, like uh Vikingo? <laughs> yeah, Vikingo. And it's and it's revealed that Vikingo stabbed his uncle two years ago at a bar, <laughs> right? During, <laughs> at the beginning of the It's got dark quick. Oh, yeah. but we're we're just gonna... yeah. Yeah, like, and, and like on Excalibur's on the mic, and he's talking about like, yeah, Kenny, Kenny's uncle lost one of his kidneys because of this. But Kingo's a bad man. But we've never. And you know what they do? They they'd have a match, 
with a lot of choreography and and and, and, Excal- <laughs> and Excalibur would try and go, oh, you can see the hatred in Kenny's moves, and Kenny would just be doing the same match he does against you know any other acrobatic wrestler or whatever as opposed to you know actually you know laying it in and being angry at vikingo for stabbing his uncle it would just be a plot point to get to the match you know what it'd be it'd be every hangman feud ever because swerve goes into the kid's house and cuts a promo on his kid and hangman finally decides three weeks later oh i'm angry at this now now i gotta get at you it is still a step up because they at least showed something but like in my head it's it's very much kenny omega hitting the one-winged angel on vikingo and getting the pin and excalibur going that was for his uncle he may never get the he may never get the kidney back, but today Kenny Omega got the win back for his. That uncle. was for his uncle. That was for his uncle. Yes. Um. No. The uh, the hangman swerve thing. Like, I, I mean, what is the point of letting something wait for three weeks? It, it, in in the real world, if something like this happened, you would like want to follow up on this immediately the week later. So it's either. Either AEW World is trapped in amber in the intervening weeks between the show, like time at once moves in terms of injury recovery, but also does not actually move for any of these characters. Like, yes, yeah, that they they can only act and do things inside of the AEW when the, when the camera is on at the yeah, arena. At the arena, yes. Uh, your turn, sir. Uh, loving what they're doing with the young bucks here. <laughs> uh, just just think this is going to be really interesting uh love it when mac jackson uh gets to carry uh the weight of drama i'm and- not gonna i'm not gonna be too harsh on the bucks part of the, that promo i'm gonna be harsh on the jericho part because jericho is being an absolute prick in that promo and he's supposed to be a baby face after the jas and after after Don Callis turns on him and said he wanted him dead and tried to kill him, Jericho's out there just being an absolute douche canoe, knowing that these guys are friends. Kenny's not saying anything at the time, and he's not really all that embarrassed either by what's being said to the point where he has to step in and defend it. I thought Jericho played this far too strong for a guy. I mean, as if it's like, Kenny's my new best friend kind of a thing. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is an uneasy alliance between the two of you, as was established three weeks ago. You're not the world's greatest tag team. You're not this, that, the other. Well, I mean, they have a name, the Golden Jets, and you're forgetting something important. They're both from Canada, the same <laughs> country. And that sort of overcomes any absolute lack of narrative cohesion at any point during the history of this company between but, these two. But the point is to get over the Bucks passive aggressiveness. And you know how you don't do that? By being more passive aggressive <laughs> than the Bucks are. You, you need to just go, hey, look, we're just teaming for a while right now to get rid of Don Callis and his family. I'm not trying. He should literally say, I'm not trying to steal Kenny Omega from you. We're just a team right now. You know, we're a better team right now. (laughs) Bucks are actually baby faces here. This is once again more. At the the end of all this, the Bucks are actually the baby face of the segment. 
<laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but yes, what if they're the actual heroes? There's, there's like a there's like a 20% chance that that's how this storyline ends. That's like and my never favorite dumb. That's like my favorite trolling thought piece was in the Washington Post. There's an editorial about how the Empire was actually right in the Star Wars movies, and the, and the rebellion was nothing but a bunch of res, uh, religious zealots. Who are causing too much trouble in the universe? Type of a thing. It's like, yeah, oh God, no. I, I expect them to join with the Callus family eventually. But half of this promo, I'm thinking that back there going, Jericho is playing this so heelish. I almost expect him to join the Callus family after almost being killed by them at one point. He had a painting of him getting yes. killed by him, but clearly that was the intention. I oh, oh it's like the AR Fox Darby thing. All's forgiven. <laughs> Next week. Yeah, I, I did not enjoy that segment at all because I'm just watching this and going, nobody knows their role here. Well, but except the except the Bucks. The Bucks just for, the right? Bucks just need to be the Bucks. That's it. Because <laughs> the Bucks are actually correct. You might be right. The Bucks might be the baby face here. Because they literally come out and go, Hey Kenny, I thought we were just gonna be the elite for a while. I mean, right? Like they're <laughs> in this case. Yet they they have a point this time, but they're the heels. They like they they always they always find a really interesting way to characterize themselves, don't they? Or like they're the good guys, but they're wrong. Like in the case of them with the Dark Order, and in this case, they're like <laughs> the bad guys, but they're right. In the case of Jericho, it's like no, they are dead set correct, Kenny. Yeah. I thought this was gonna be our there's thing act, for there's a while. No, there's no narrative reason to be this closely aligned with Chris Jericho. And what you need to do is tell them that they're correct still. Have Chris and Kenny go, yes, you guys are still the elite. I am just having this temporary teaming with Kenny Omega for right now to get rid of the Callus family. And then once I'm out, or once that's done, you guys can go on your merry way and be the great guys. Be a baby face about it. Just talk them up and just have the Bucks just not having any of it. No, and make the Bucks he ends the segment with, I have my own, my own locker room. That really pulls, that pulls out that pulls out the whole point of any of this then, right? Yes. Like Jericho's like, I'm not really that close with Omega. I'm like, you know, his tag team partner right now. Like we're, we're a tag team. Uh, we're not like best friends. We're a tag team. Like, you know, we're working together. And it's leaning into the Bucks punk mythos too. Mm. If you have a problem with me, come to my locker room. Oh yeah. Oh, well yeah. that's, oh boy everyone everyone's gonna definitely understand and read into that and, and i bet you no 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 no. let's give this a few weeks and, and you see you see if old novi isn't telling the truth here we're gonna be up a good couple hundred thousand in the uh the old ratings remember the little thing called the demo the watch demo that. get ready to watch that puppy explode because people going into 2024 they care about this they want to hear about it I'm going to I'm, I'm going to give a little sorbet here and head over to the uh, WWE for heading back to AEW. Now it's sherbet. Sorbet. Sherbet. It's a, it's a it's a palate cleanser sorbet. Right. Yeah. Lemon but, sorbet. Sherbet. It, we're a, we're a classy show, Chris. We don't okay. call it sherbet. Okay. But those hillbillies in the south call it. Okay. All right. You know, who had himself kind of a week it was Akira Tozawa, and in in short, also the Alpha Academy. Because, number one, I think this partnership works. Uh, number two, 
pretty good banger on Raw, pretty good banger against Noam Dar on NXT as well. Um, <laughs> just it's one of those things where it's like, I'm glad they're giving the young guy a chance. It's like, dude, he's 35 and he's been in this company for seven years. You can't say that about him, but it's it's nice that they're showing him off a little bit. Look, Otis had a had a good match on NXT as well. Yeah, I was gonna say that match with uh Gulak was fun. Yeah, I mean it was a perfect squash type of a thing, although I don't know if you squash the leader of a faction first. <laughs> kind of had to build that, but Otis, and they've been uh, kind of killing the uh, social media game in terms of doing short videos, uh, getting all four of them over. They have this weird dance video that, that is oddly endearing me, especially because I'm not a big fan of the Maxine Dupree character. I don't see what she brings at all other than she's a semi-attractive blonde who's just attached to the Alpha Academy, which might be just enough. But I love me some Otis. Otis is so great. Just a, a I I often imagine that Otis is playing his character not unlike Chris Farley from the Chippendale sketch in Saturday Night Live, where he does think he's the sexiest man in the room. He thinks he's a he thinks he's a beefcake. And he acts like as part of the Alpha Academy in addition to playing the big guy. But no, these guys had had great matches. And it was, it, I, I enjoy, because I got to see work rate Akira Tozawa in PWG. He is such a fantastic wrestler. And yeah, he's used for dumb, sometimes uh, bordering on racist comedy. But he's a great wrestler. So I want to give him his flowers this week. Well, yeah, I... I was not his idea to put himself in the ninja outfit. Let's put it that way. I adored that ninja gimmick, though. <laughs> it was so unrepentantly stupid, and he can pull off unrepentant stupidity. It's uh, just, yeah. Yeah, but um, no, uh, so I'm going to stay with NXT and talk about the Carmelo Trick Williams uh, segment <laughs> here. This is the first time in terms of characterizing these two guys in a long time that I can think of where they just missed the mark on this. It feels like, I agree. Yeah. It feels like in other, other times trick and mellow are really kind of like left to their own devices to kind of come up with their kind of characters and where they're at with everything. And in this case, they wanted to get a bunch of moving pieces in here. Like, obviously, they have Lexus King. Lexus King. Lexus King uh, like, <laughs> all right. Hold on. Hold on. Did he grow I, on you this week? Because he grew on me a little bit this week. I, I mean, y- yes, but no. We have, to yes. Talk, we have to talk about Lexus King's usage here. Um, there's a thing there for sure, but it's it, like, okay. So, you're watching one movie. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're what let's say you're watching one movie with two friends from the hood who have come up over the years and like they've been close and like they have challenges and all these struggles going on between yes them. yes um and there's this question that like they, this is where I think they got too cute. They got too cute by It's half. so obvious Tupac's a bad guy and that Omar Epps is a good guy. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, they they got they got a little too cute by half here with the mellow trick. The melodrama is oh, not yeah yeah right the melodrama uh, yeah uh, <laughs> no like the did he didn't he and like trick like 
asking in like weird dodgy ways like never fully asking it's almost like a like a shakespearean sort of thing yeah, yeah. no I, they should they shouldn't have done that they should have just been more direct should have been yeah should have been straight up right up right out the bat and like you have mellow either say either he said i mean he has to i think in either situation he has to say no i didn't do it and either one it's a liar to its truth um but and like that's almost got to be the end of the segment like maybe they have like a little bit of follow-up they said they're gonna go for like the tag titles or something i don't know like right like they, they the do some... end of the segment has to be mellow realizing that trick doesn't know and yeah. him him having a momentary moment of realizing that he could get off the hook and get away with it but not wanting to show that and having to hide it real quick and the problem is they they go so big with the expressions and the like the the look on the hug thing where he just he has that weird look on his face as opposed to just playing it how a guy oh, and that one that one's I mean I like I at least like the closing shot just because it was like he accidentally waylaid mellow but then like I don't know yeah the you didn't know you don't know who attacked you you don't know who attacked you like. No, it has to be, wait, you didn't know who attacked you? You know, kind of inquisitive hey, type of a thing. Right, you right. know what it is? It's 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 the equivalent, not saying apples to apples, of the, the director's note uh to play drunk. And I saw Michael Caine talking about this once. It's like it's like Michael Caine came in and they told him to play drunk, so he went around uh, you know, slurring his speech and uh and you know, falling all over the place or whatever. It's like, no, you don't play drunk that way. You what does a drunk do? A drunk is not trying to compose himself and trying to be sloppy and falling over right. the place. A, a, a drunk is trying to talk well and keep himself composed. That's what a drunk does type of a thing. And that's what it was for this. I mean, it, this just, this didn't feel like a guy who lied to his, to one of his boys or whatever type of a thing. This felt like, how would I script a TV show? with somebody lying so that I could tell the audience wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Of course it was him type of a thing. So you're watching like that, like nineties, like street sitcom dramedy or that street, street drama sort of thing. Right. And and then all of a sudden in comes Alexis King uh, or Alexis (laughs) King and like, like looking at once like Brian and also Michael Hayes, like the head of the white gang from across town has come in for a cameo. Yeah. But like, like from like a completely different movie, it's not, it's not even that movie. He's He's not, he's he's not even on the right set. He's my cousin from the country. He's coming for a guest set. It's it like it, it, it's 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 the character from the other sitcom who happens to be visiting the neighborhood as a crossover on ABC yeah, type of a thing. Energy like I'm the new guy around here. My name's Lexus King. Bob, Bob Saget has entered the Family Matters house for some reason. <laughs> but like he's here to shake it all up, and that's the whole premise of this episode. Like he's Poochie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> serious poochie energy oh my god then he comes out and it's like now we've taken this scene that was already being overwrought and like goes into this like weird overdrive where lexus king's like well you never know i might have attacked you i might have done it because i'm a new guy and i'm on the scene and i'm trying to make a name for myself and like it just you know who that character is that that character is the guy in the crime movie who's taking credit for somebody else's crimes and gets shot in the head in the alley. 
<laughs> the guy actually did. Like, what are you doing talking, taking my cry, my credit away from me and trying to get your props? Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm the one who's doing all the things. Maybe it's me. You never know. Whenever <laughs> anything crazy around here happens, maybe it's Lexus King who's doing it. Unfortunately, the only reference I can come up real quick with is almost 30-year-old movie. Have you ever seen The Quick and the Dead? Lance Henriksen's character, Ace Hanlon, who says he shot he shot this gang, and then Gene Hackman comes out and goes, oh, you're the one who did that? Let me tell you something. I'm the one who did that. <laughs> he ends up just blowing him away. Oh, yeah. It's, just, it's such an over-the-top thing, too. It's like he's quoting then, Death Leopard on the way down. And, and then, like, he, he gets to the ring. He stands between Mello and Trick, and, like, Trick... Clearly, like, Mello at the end of this clearly should be mad at Lexus King. Like, Lexus King, like, if he's not, like, in order for, even for this to be plausible, at the end, like, even if Mello's trying to cover up that he's lying, he should then be that much more angry at Lexus King. Like, man, what the hell was that guy doing down here? He shouldn't have been down here. He had no reason to be down here. He, you know, I'm going to get him. Uh, like we're gonna find like like OJ. Um, we're gonna find we're gonna the find real the real killers here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to the melodrama on the other side of the ledger because <clears throat> I have an interesting theory about this. Chris, who do you think the devil is? I mean, if you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have had a different answer. <laughs> no, the AEW devil. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Uh, Pat Tanaka. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd be so here for that. I'd be so here for Pat Tanaka. Oh, Pat God. Tanaka. One of the guys in a... the hood is, is Paul <laughs> Diamond. Yeah, yeah. He has a new faction. Al Perez would have also been funny for me because of the whole black scorpion thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, um, it's Adam Cole. Maybe it's Adam Cole or Britt Baker. I think has to be it. I've seen people say jungle boy because of the glass this week. Here's my theory. I came up with that's That's off the beaten path that there are actually two devils and one of them's MJF and the other one MJF knows who it is. And he's not sure about whether or not the devil is working with him or not. And he might be going rogue on MJF. And that's why MJF was so concerned about the acclaim. But then again, that was so, oh, my arm. Someone has hurt my friends, the acclaimed. Whatever shall I do? I also have a weird other theory. I think they've actually been changing the minions to throw us off. Because one of those guys was Wardlow this week. So there might be two sets of people working for the devil if there are two devils indeed. And one might be the pinnacle and one might be the kingdom and Kyle O'Reilly. Who knows? But it, it's one of those things where I think. Oh, I, I mean, I'm thinking, I think MGF's the baby. I think that this was just poorly blocked. I think that, that could be it too. Yeah. I think like Wardlow and these other guys that like Joe, I mean, it, you know, it's, Especially like the mask, it could be Joe who is the devil. No, no, no. Well, well, maybe. Oh but, yeah. Well, oh, but he that was... was that was a thin person on that first beatdown that was standing there. 
Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, but this week Wardlow was definitely one of the people under the masks or whatever. He's the guy who threw uh, Bowens through the uh, glass plate glass window or whatever it was. I just like, what is that cubicle doing there? It's so weird. And I don't, I don't think, I mean, I really don't think Wardlow's in cahoots with MJF. No, I, I don't know. I, it, right? it's, like, like they, they have to, it would be, I mean, it would be the most AEW completely unearned turn ever, ever. To it put, can't be a manager. I know that much, but go ahead. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Why can't it be a manager? Because there'd be no, because all the heat would be on that manager then. The, the, if one of the if one of the minions is a manager, fine. But the devil has to be whoever the alpha in the stable is to me, and not a manager per se. Like there, there's like I think it. I mean, look, if you make it creative, I'm cool with that. And I think Cole or Britt is the obvious answer here. Rick there's Flair. only one person that if it who it is, it would be an absolute fart in church for me. And Flair. that that no Tony Khan. If Tony Khan is the devil and this whole thing is about the war for 24 or whatever, and to, and to try and ruin MJF's bargaining chip with the company or whatever in storyline type of a thing, the, that kind of meta crap. No, that would you be, know? that would be the jump the shark moment. Yes. Where like Tony Khan makes himself not just the, like he makes himself the Mr. Khan character. Yes. Oh. He's the Mr. McMahon. Yeah, oh. he's Eric Bischoff. He makes the same oh. mistake as every other single promoter of the past thirty years. Right. Yeah, and it's it, it, that one's that one's uh, highly plausible for sure. Um, I've been trying to figure out like who it could be. I mean, I keep going back to it's got probably be Adam Cole, right? Like yeah, Adam Cole's the devil, and I life. want it to be Pat Tanaka. Now, are you kidding me? Oh, I love yeah. Pat I Tanaka. Mean, Pat Tanaka is very much out there. I'm sure he's to, he's he's available. Like you can get him. Oh, that, uh, thank you, Chris. That popped me so big. <laughs> you just immediately come out with Pat Tanaka. Why not? Glacier? Look, Bad Company needs their flowers. They were a fantastic tag team. Some of you may know them as the Orin Express, the second version. But yes, they were an awesome tag team in the AWA. I loved them so much. Uh, your turn, sir. Man. Uh, now, the, de- the devil thing is, is, I think, you know, Definitely a point of intrigue here. Uh, like, what are we doing? What is the point of this? Um, Outrunners are fine. They don't. <laughs> they're, they're 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 like. There's such a weird. The the problem with dynamite, right? Like, kind of like on a regular basis, is that there's just like not a ton of heat for any of these matches that they're throwing up there. No. Yeah, you know, so it's like theoretically, Swerve Strickland and Penta would be interesting. I, I mean, I saw it on Lucha Underground, but like you know, I, it's just sort of you know, it's just sort of there, right? Yeah, uh, they don't build the heat all that much to lead to the TV thing. It, it becomes, oh, we announced this match Friday, we're going to do it Wednesday. Yeah, same thing. Keith Lee, same thing. Like, like this, you know, should be like a Haas match that you kind of almost spend the entire show wrapping around to build up to. Dude, I said I said that match needed to be nothing but chops, or I'd be disappointed. So, <laughs> I liked the match though. I, I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. The outrunners are fun. The out, but the outrunners are pure gimmick. They're pure irony. They're pure mid card, and you need to keep them there. And I get it. You need to give them the entrance a little bit. Um, but I will take 
I mean, they got a heat segment. They they did the homage to Jake with the with the finger in the air, you know, when he had him in the DDT position and then put him in a suplex. But they got a hell of a lot more than the Bollywood boys did. And the Bollywood boys do great work, especially in Defy as their tag team champions. All they got was a 310 to Yuma and they were out. And I was just like, if I'm the Bollywood boys, I am negotiating to say, hell no, you let me do what the outrunners did and you switched those teams position type of a thing. I, I mean, right? Like the guns are not the other thing with the guns is they're not supposed to be a hella credible tag team. Aren't they? Are they, No, they won the... They, well, they, they're now in the Bullet Club, so, I mean, they're supposed to be kind of... They're in, like, the Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox <laughs> Bullet Club. I mean, like, we've come... You realize, like, the original Bullet Club is now, like, the management of their company. Like, yes, the, yeah. They're sold. That, like, these are, like, the kids of the Bullet Club. Like, the By the way, if, if the elite are the minions, I would love that, too. <laughs> Hangman, Kenny, and the Bucks are the guys beating up MJF. <laughs> or the Jay White and everybody else. And then they eventually turn on MJF. I'd be here for that, too. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it is interesting, right? Because they, they've beaten up... Yeah, there's two different groups. Or, like, there's, like, there's the time they beat up Jay White. Yes. But we also know the Bullet Club didn't fake that. Yeah. Right? Like, because, like, Jay White wasn't gone very long, and he also got a sneak attack in the next week. Dude, there are no beatings at last weeks or months anymore. I mean, a pile driver on concrete is a transition spot. Yeah. (laughs) Um... It's strong style. It's fighting spirit. No, it's not. It's still not selling. But the like the the guns like the the guns aren't supposed to be hella credible. I mean, they're still like the ass boys. Like they yeah, they haven't really fully. They haven't toughened them up. They haven't they haven't really given them that 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 tough sheen or whatever. They're they're here for entertainment purposes only to 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 take a to to look shocked when you call them an ass boy for the most part. Right, and this version of the Bullet Club is sort of like ironic too. Like it's not. Yeah, it's not what the Bullet Club was when it was like Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And no, it's a, it's a it's a T-shirt. Fan. Well, those weren't the two I'd pick if you guys say they were. No, those the were the days. Yeah, those are the guys you're picking. Not yes, AJ Styles. I, let me know. Let's talk about cleaner. Guy named Bad luck, Foley. <laughs> Tama Tonga. Thank you very much. Who's, who's the, he did get better over who's time. The, who's the Tokyo pimp character that was in? This? Oh, that guy. He was great. Loved <laughs> him, too. I, I, well, Jeff Jarrett was a member of the Bullet Club. Jeff Jarrett <laughs> also got himself into the Bullet Club when that was still cool. It was not cool, and he somehow finagled his way into the Bullet Club. This is a fact. Scott that Demore. Always... Scott Demore. Let, let's, yeah, let's talk I, about I, the magic of Scott. What Demore I'm talking about is this is, a, this is a faction that had quality control for a long time. So oh, yeah. high standard for membership. Well, Finn Balor or Prince Devitt, at least. Said, you know. Yes, those also were in the Bullet Club along with uh, the aforementioned Bad Luck Fale, Tomatonga, Scott Demore. Hold on, I need to check out this guy's name because I forgot it. <laughs> Riff a little bit. Um, was it Taguchi? Taguchi? It, it, it's something like that. It's uh, uh oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna these really, he used to have these really slow, methodical matches where he would like 
go outside the ring. And by methodical, I mean boring as shit and lazy. Um, and he would go outside the ring and basically just like weekly. I just remember the name of his second was like Yellow Barbie Mao or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh, the that guy, the the pimp guy. Yeah, yeah. Takahashi. Takahashi. I think it is. It yeah, his Takahashi. Where he had he had the towel. The towel was awesome. I just, I mean, this this was a this is once a prestigious organization. The Bone Soldier. Do you remember the Bone Soldier? Bone Soldier. <laughs> Marty <I> Skrull. <laughs> Marty Skrull. Who who could forget Marty Skrull? Beloved wrestling figure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not no more. He ain't. <laughs> oh well, you know, fans can be very fickle, Jeff. You just get a few bad stories about yourself in the paper with credible allegations and other well, things. Haku was in it, so he's cool. Haku's cool. I, I mean, you, you, know, you go against Meng. Yeah, exactly. The Tongan death grip. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Yeah. I, so my point is, is that the the guns, the the ass boys, uh, Juice Robinson, the former C.J. Parker, and uh, the cardboard guy. Uh, they're they're a step down from some of these more prestigious sure. <laughs> Scott Demore, Jeff Jarrett, Tom Tonga, Cody Hall, Cody Hall. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I kind of think of uh, this, this version of the Bull Club's more like Aces and Eights, you know. <laughs> I actually I actually liked Aces and Eights. Before they made the reveal that uh, Bischoff was the one behind it, you know, I, I really liked the idea of D'Lo Brown running a motorcycle game. Why not? Why not? Your turn. Um, save me. I don't. I don't know that I can do that. I don't no. know that I can do that. Uh, okay, I know that Mark Briscoe got injured this year. Um, and that kind of precluded him from being involved more in like matches and, and stuff for a part of the year. But boy, did they miss an opportunity this year to tell just a really compelling and interesting and like heartfelt story around Mark Briscoe trying to get the championship um, and, and making him a more central character on AEW show. Uh, it, it, Seeing him, I was like, oh, yeah, hey, Mark Briscoe. Yeah, it's great to see him. Um, and then I was immediately thinking, like, why did they forget about this guy narratively? He should be on a journey. He Like, it, whether or not he wins the title or doesn't win the title, um, and especially if you've got this devil thing going on right now, you could have the devil jump Mark Briscoe. And if, you know, Mark Briscoe's on a journey to win the title and then he gets jumped, that'll – that'll now make people want to know who the devil is because they like Mark Briscoe so much. And they, they're like on board with Mark Briscoe's journey and such. Um, it, it should mean more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He should be a more important character to this show. And he's always a joy. I mean, it, it, he, his, his interview segments on, I believe rampage and collision were just so great. And so full of energy, and he's so naturally likable too. And and the backstory itself would sell itself if he wasn't likable, but he is. And like I really liked this main event on on Dynamite too. I I, I really did. I thought it was uh, you know, it was 
if if you juxtapose it with the Daniel Garcia match against MJF, which was a television match, but you never believed for a moment that Daniel Garcia was, and boy, was that side note here. He, he cuts a promo saying, you're going to get the wrestler, Danny Garcia. And then there's no change whatsoever. And there's no change whatsoever. He's doing a little bit of dancing. The dancing ends up hurting him in the end. And you're just like, no, no, they didn't tell the story that they said they were going to set out to tell. And it, and it's stupid, too, because, like, in this case, especially when you have a preliminary title match, like, this is the ultimate opportunity for someone who is a wrestler to be like, I'm going to be the spoiler tonight. And, like, he just goes in and starts waylaying MJF. I mean, this is actually a really good like trap game sort of story match where MJF catches an injury because Danny Garcia like targets his knee or something like that. And now like going into the title match against Jay White, he has a tweaked knee or something like that, that uh, can be exploited. Yeah, no. And, and Mark, Mark is, I mean, they got me once thinking that he might get inserted into the main event in full gear, but uh, alas, it was not to be bit of an update as I've been uh, following SmackDown while we tape because we're live. Uh, Asuka has turned heel and has joined uh, Damage Control for a bit. So it looks like it, it looks like uh, both war games are kind of set, or at least there'll be a little bit of a mystery for it. I think uh, I like the Raw war games a lot. And I think Drew McIntyre will eventually be inserted in here or something like that. But yeah, ju- it's going to be Judgment Day and J.D. McDonough versus um, Cody, uh, main event Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins. But I do think I do think. See, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna have Drew join. He's eventually gonna heal on this babyface team, but I think he might be a replacement for somebody on the babyface team, and then turn in during the match or something. I don't know. And join I, Judgment Day. I, I think so. Or he just goes in there and joins Judgment Day, and then they have LA Knight say the day, I thought. But LA Knight had something else different. But uh, then on the SmackDown end, it's going to be the women's war games. And we know the heel team's probably going to be Bailey, Asuka, Kyrie, and Io, which to me is a hell of a team. It's just a shame, just a shame that Bailey's the only one who can cut promos for them because they're just going to be basic foreign menace until they turn on Bailey. I think on the babyface side, it's looking to be Bianca and Charlotte as definite. It's probably Shotzi since she's been aligned with um Charlotte. Now the fourth one's interesting because if they just go with who they have on that roster, it'd probably be Mia Yim. But I I think you debut Jade Cargill in the war games. And I think she's the cleaner for the babyface team. It, uh, let me put it this way, guys. I think Jade Cargo's winning the Royal Rumble. I think there's no way she doesn't win the Royal Rumble. And if you want to just debut her in the Royal Rumble, that's fine. But if you want to tease her going into the Royal Rumble, you have her come in here and be the cleaner for one of these teams and go, oh, crap. Here we go, and then you have her win the Royal Rumble. So I, yeah, I am, I am of the, the opinion six, that she is going to be in this War Games. In the six weeks leading into the Royal Rumble, you can maybe have her have one or two TV matches too, just to get her seat. Not legs. too many, not too uh, many at all. Many. Nope. Wait, 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 wait. I was told for a long time 
by people who were fans of uh, the previous company that she worked for that she was uh, developing. Are you saying that you don't think that that happened? I'm not saying she hasn't developed because she hasn't proved. I am saying that less is more with stars sometimes, and you have to kind of miss them a bit and to anticipate their return, and then they become a big, bigger deal. If you have her on TV week after week after week wrestling, people will start to figure out, well, maybe she has some deficiencies in her wrestling. See what I'm saying, Chris? Yeah, no, I, I think you can you only really get like about four matches out of her before you start really exposing her. Uh, like like you had to kind of cover up in multi-man type of. Uh, oh, we, we are starting the rehearsal for whatever her mania match is now. Oh, I know. Yeah, you have yeah. to be have to be. She she's. she's I'm hoping not, it's not Charlotte. It's not a weekly television person. She's not like she can't. She just the, the dots have never connected and I don't see. That getting better in WWE, honestly. Yeah, because it, it's, be- it's Becky it's Becky and scripted stuff. Yeah, no, it's Becky and Rhea, definitely. I think on the on the women's side, though, Jade. Uh, boy, I don't do Jade Bianca. I love Bianca, but I don't know if she's that good of a ring general to be able to carry that. Oh, um, Charlotte is interesting, kind of, but Charlotte's always in a top spot i think you got to do the you do the charlotte jade thing just and have charlotte call the match and and it is interesting because if charlotte checks out on the match that could be really fun i mean oscar oscar would be an interesting pick here i don't want oscar is she gonna call the match i think so but i mean yeah. I think the, you know who i think the safest choice is is bailey if they could find a way to heat up Bailey, I, I don't know if they're going to. It looks like they're going to be turning her sooner than later. Right. But maybe we do babyface Bailey versus heel Jade, and I'm kind of here for that. I mean, you can't really. Mm. I mean, maybe maybe the well, you know what? We still have a couple weeks until Survivor Series. If the Japanese women on this team, if Damage Control, if Io, Kyrie, and Asuka all turn on Bailey, and she's the fourth on the babyface team, you bring in Jade as the heel cleaner. And then you you turn it into a Bailey redemption story where she's the only one of the horsewomen who haven't had a main event at, at Mania. She's going to lose at Mania <laughs> if she's up against Jade. But you at least play it up for a bit. You have her win the title at some point. Yeah, you have her have the championship going into Mania. And she yes, yeah. Yeah. That'd be um, that'd be interesting. That would be an interesting one, yeah, for sure. I think that that's maybe the strongest of the options. Uh, Jade's, I mean, look, uh, we've always been pretty down on Jade. Uh, you have. I've been higher than you have on her, though. Dude, I mean, it. it's one of these things that just seems like a good idea on paper. And then whenever you actually start trying to execute Jade Cargill in concept, you realize that there's just these, like, glaring gaps. Glaring. Yes. Yeah, that that like the things that she's good at don't compensate for. And the thing that the thing she's good at fit into the WWE style. Don't get me wrong. The problem is she doesn't have. And and I hate to sound snotty here, and I don't mean it that way, but she doesn't have the day to day grappling slash wrestling know how to get to those spots that make her good. Type of a thing. Like she's not like, like Bailey to me is the best example. Bailey is the best bell to bell performer that they have in the women's division because 
she knows all the notes between the music and she knows the music. She knows scales. She knows she can do her triplets. She can do arpeggios. She could do like, like she, in, in, in terms of a, a musician, she knows theory and she knows improvisation and she knows performance. She, she's the complete total package. Yeah, she, knows knows, how to do a good, she knows how to do a good weekly, good weekly show slash go to a blues jam. She knows how to play like an actual rock club. Slash yes. Thing. Yes. Jade, Jade knows Cargill performance is, and she can do a solo. But she does the same solo every time. Right. And like you really, I mean, with Jade, you need to have a bunch of rehearsals and she's only going to go up. Yeah, she's she is the. She uh, has her solo written out on the sheet music. Yeah. Like or like it's, you know, kind of like the way Ace Freely used to do it sometimes. We're like, I mean, and there'd even be more schlocky or guitar players who really did this. We're like they just basically played the exact same solo every single show, every show. Yeah, uh, yeah, like like not every song, but like every time they played, let's say like this is not true, Thin Lizzy, but like the boys are back in town. They played the exact same solo to the boys are back in town in Wachuga and also in Columbus City and also down in Jacksonville and like all over the set, like every single place got the exact same note for note solo. That's Jake that's Cargill. a that's a disappointing thing though. If you listen to bootlegs of different shows on the tour, oh, you realize man. they've been playing that, the same solo uh, everywhere. Yeah, and boy, is that is that a that is a that is a magic killer. It's it's real crushing. No, but like Cargill, Cargill is amazing, or like not amazing, but very serviceable, and like can be very easily care you know sort of packaged and presented in a way that's compelling for like a, a you know a, a built once every six weeks sort of match thing. Yeah. The problem with that is that you don't necessarily want to make someone like that your champion, but Jade Cargill is kind of like too big of an act to not, to not make your champion, not make your champion. But then when you do that, then you now run into the issue of week to week television. I mean, we have done the opposite because this will make a good bookend. We have done the opposite with Jade that we did with Maya, uh, Mariah May. We have brought her onto Raw and SmackDown and NXT and said she is a big deal. We gave her a throne on NXT to sit down as the new queen of professional wrestling, whatever it is. She is a big money deal. She is here to be a star type of a thing. You, you can't have her go into that first WrestleMania match and lose, per se. You can't nope. ever, you know... If you want to look, if you want to eliminate her in the rumble and put her in a mid card match to see what you have there, I don't mind that, but it's going to damage her stardom. You have basically said we are putting the rocket on this woman and you, then you need to pay it off. I mean, all things being equal, I'd much rather have Mariah May than Jade Cargill. It's just like, yes. a, like to build off of, I mean, you know, even if Mariah May's, not knocking my socks off right now. You can help her find a character and like, then she can do everything else on the week to week television and it's going to be just fine. Yeah. But you're also going to need to re re reboot her eventually from that character. That's the thing. Well, no, no, I'm, I mean, I'm just saying like in a vacuum, I'm not saying Mariah may on AEW. I'm saying, uh, Mariah may, like if I was doing WWE and I was, okay. Okay. Gotcha. I, I, you know, if I have Mariah may, it's like a much easier, much easier thing to work with. Um, Cargill's inability to do interesting TV matches is just, it, 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 it makes it really hard to have any sort of long-term plans for, um, I, 
she to me is in a lot of ways like like her ceiling really is mid card faction leader um she leads the faction she doesn't have many matches she does like power moves every so often you know like she seems like she's the heavy and maybe even has like a really devastating single move that she does but that's it like she she shouldn't she's she's, batista in evolution yeah yeah like that's before the breakout but i don't think she's gonna be able to be that breakout that's gonna be the breakout yeah yeah but like that to me is kind of what she is uh or, or you know, your another one of your old favorites, Top Dollar. By the way, B Fab showing up randomly on SmackDown, watching watching the screen backstage during a women's match. Bring back B Fab. Yes. She wasn't cut with Top Dollar or or, uh, or Ashanti. This or it was just Top Dollar, I think that was cut uh, that grew. Um, any other point I have is minor, so I think we should just end kind of there. Well, do you have anything else? I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Um, oh no! I no, I know it never goes well, right? No, uh, it's one of those things because if you do it, then I'm going to bring up my minor points, nevertheless. So I mean, I, I'm here for my JC Jane talk, but other than that, uh, the Creed's had a match on on Raw, right? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, they had they had a match. I like I'm liking I'm liking the Creed's kind of yeah, oh they had the match against DIY. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I was like cleaning my house and I had this like and I had Raw on and like Raw's always one that I can kind of like coast through a little bit. But like they had some decent little tag matches on here. And then when I saw all of a sudden I was like, oh wait, the Creed's are having a match against DIY. I mean, it wasn't like the the DIY versus Creed's match that you would want or whatever. No, it's not it's not the NXT black and gold takeover match. Yeah, right. But like it was still it was like, huh. Oh yeah, I, I the Creed's are a team that I would like to see a lot they there are a lot of different people I'd like to see them have matches against. Yeah, this this might be a shock to you. I mean we're well, let's stick on Raw in the in WWE for a bit. The Sami Zayn Seth Rollins match was absolutely sublime. It was fantastic. I loved it. And I liked, I liked the build at the beginning for it. And then, and then do it at the end. That was great. Um, <laughs> Sammy Zane's a very good worker. Seth Rollins is a very good worker. They had yeah, a but very Seth, good match. Seth Rollins is also doing interesting stuff as a character now inside of this weirdo Seth character. Like this, this Seth character is almost like sort of like an emotional drunken master. Like, uh, where it's like, <laughs> Yeah, but there's like an actual like an underlying sub thread like in all the laughing and cackling and swaying and like goofy suits and stuff are like there's a sadness to him oh yeah no he is no. he's like no are you familiar with uh the sad cloud who goes to the doctor turns out that he's he is Pagliacci yeah, he is Pagliacci yeah Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just all over the place with the references today aren't we uh, yeah, and uh, and and while I really did enjoy Seth and Sammy, I am equally just I got no Fs to give. Well, maybe one F to Gunther and the Miz <laughs> for that title. The one F I have to give is that the Miz is all of a sudden just pulling out weird moves that he never did before as a baby face. <laughs> like aerial moves and stuff. And you're like, well, that's the Miz. What are you doing? Uh, 
And I want him to go the other way in this match. I want him to try to cheat like mercilessly against Guther. Like, like the way he's going to win the title is by like at, like multiple low blows, like to the point where like Michael Cole's counting. Like that's the sixth low blow in this match. Like the like the meme of that of that <laughs> of that martial arts guy getting just kicked in the nuts over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> boom, boom, boom. He like. <laughs> He like ref bumps the ref and like Imperium's like they're like trying to revive the ref and like Miz just immediately goes and kicks him in the balls and He's like just escalating the nut yeah he like the nut he shot. Did the yes 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 it like does like a nut shot like from across the ring <laughs> like and it's get- a ref bump and he kicks him in the nuts he punches him in the nuts he grabs a chair he hits him in the nuts he breaks a table over his nuts. Barbed wire, baseball bat to the nuts, all of it. Exploding ring on the nuts. It's the only move he does, as a matter of fact, in this match. It's just nut shots the entire time. He does that. He attempts to deliver the skull-crushing finale. Instead, delivers it to his nuts. To his nuts, yes. Nuts, yeah. It takes him by the waist, slams his nuts into the canvas. (laughs) And and then gets a (laughs) 2.9. It's a transition move. <laughs> Gunther explains that he used to be part of the Blackpool Combat Club and he turned his testicles <laughs> just slightly so that the nutshots didn't affect him. You turn them to the right. You yeah. turn them to the right and cough. And then you're talking for them. <laughs> oh, let's cut this show. We're not going to top that. Uh oh. <laughs> you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. Follow Chris. Uh, that's on X. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. You can follow Chris on the gram at Doctor No. That's D O C T O R underscore No. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Podcasts for all your niche wrestling needs. Music of the Mat Five Star Match Game. Good, bad, the hungry. Open the Voice Gate, and of course the flagship with Rich and Joe. You like what I do, and God knows why would you after that horrible joke. I'm on the Fight Game Media Network. I do a show called The Dynamite Show. It goes on about 20 minutes after Dynamite ends. It's a thorough deconstruction with myself and Paul Ace Fontaine, where I basically focus test the bad takes I put on here about AEW. It's patreon.com slash fightgamemedia. Five bucks, you get the audio. and watch the video for free, but hey, I'd like to get paid occasionally. Chris, Chris also likes to get paid occasionally, and he, here's his uh, monetary uh, plug for you. Yeah, if you're interested in music lessons, please hit me up on Instagram. Uh, the holidays are coming up, and it's a great time for you to buy guitar lessons for somebody you like or to buy a guitar for somebody who you know doesn't like guitar and then give them lessons for a thing that they hate. Uh, so long as you square up with me before the lesson, we're all good. That's or if somebody's get. parents really hate guitar, you buy that person a guitar and give them lessons. Oh, yeah, that's for, for sure. Yeah. You're going through a divorce, X hates guitar. <laughs> great, great idea for the holidays here. Uh, get your kid a guitar. Tell them that you love them a lot, and uh, you know we'll get started. Uh, anyways, if you're interested in doing that, you can hit me up on Instagram. I also am posting demos of uh my band or like i mean i guess of me doing songs that my band will be performing here so that we can start getting gigs so that then we can start performing so if you want to hear the songs and then you theoretically like the songs so that there's not like 
videos, uh, that would be good. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, everyone have a Merry Christmas. It's November, fool. Oh, oh, okay. Somebody doesn't believe in the Christmas spirit. That's it. Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.